OBS Orbit, the podcast for Open vSwitch users and developers. This is episode number 42. This episode is about FlowFuzz, framework for fuzzing OpenFlow-enabled switches that was presented at Black Cat Briefings back in July. I'm interviewing Nicholas Gray and Thomas Zinner, two of the co-authors of the briefing. On to the interview. This morning, I'm talking to uh, two researchers at the University of Würzburg. I'm talking to uh, Nicholas Gray, a PhD student there, and Thomas Zinner, uh, the research group director. And they're they're both in uh, the chair of communication uh, networks uh, and uh, working on the Sardine project. And uh, before we really uh, uh, jump into uh, what we're going to focus on today, I want to give uh, each of you a, a chance to uh, to say more or to correct anything that I said that's wrong there. Uh, so, uh, Nicholas, do you want to say more about yourself? Yeah, okay. So, first of all, thanks for having us on your show. Um, my name is Nicholas. I'm a second-year PhD student at the University of Würzburg at the Chair of Communication Networks. And one of my main research topics is software-defined networking with its main focus on how can we um, enhance the security and what new challenges does SDN bring for the security of our networks. So, short intro from my side. Just a, a few words from my side. My name is Thomas Zinner. I'm heading the research group on Next Generation Networks uh, since four years now. Uh, our research focus is uh, in the context of softwareized networks, so this includes, of course, uh, software-defined networking, but also network function virtualization. And our special interest is uh, usually more on a performance evaluation and uh, performance modeling of these technologies. But uh, in the context of uh, the Sardine project, uh, we're working on the combination of uh, performance evaluation, measurements, and statistical investigations on security issues, uh, but I would say just uh, more about that uh, in a few minutes. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, since uh, you kind of mentioned it, let's uh, l- let's launch into the uh, actual topic then. So uh, I was prompted to talk to you guys because of a, a presentation that you made at uh, Black Hat, uh, which was titled uh, FlowFuzz, a framework for fuzzing OpenFlow-enabled switches. Uh, and uh, that was a... a, a I don't know what you what do you call it at Black Hat? Is it, it's not a paper exactly? It's a presentation. Um, yeah, it's called a briefing, which is a fifty-minute um, talk about um, yeah the research we've done. And anyhow, uh, you two were uh, authors, and then I, I see there were a, a couple of others. Um, and so, uh, just in in uh, at the the highest level, what is FlowFuzz, and and what did you uh, what did you cover in your presentation? So to keep things short, um, FlowFuzz is an automated testing framework which uses um, fuzzing, and fuzzing basically sends um, either corrupted or unexpected input to a system under test, in our case, um, software-defined networking switches and also the OpenV switch, and then it checks if it can observe a graph by the input. And... This is mainly done, um, or this is a proven method to find uh, security-related errors in software. 
And within the Satino project, we one of our main focus is the evaluation of how software-defined network, um, but to evaluate the, the security state of software-defined networks. And that was the point where we said, let's write a fuzzing framework for it. All right, uh, fair enough. So it seems like I've heard a lot about fuzzing lately. Um, and is there a reason that, that fuzzing has uh, started to become uh, more popular lately? Or is it just uh, that I've been noticing it more lately? I mean, fuzzing goes way back to the time where the input of computers was still pinched out of cards and researchers would, in order to test their programs, would simply take cards which were uh, landed in the trash from former projects and would feed those input cards to their uh, programs to see if they can cause a crash. Because basically, um, invalid in input should be rejected by the program ASAP. And Recently, um, you see more and more fuzzing because it's a really cost-effective method for software testing as uh, once you have actually uh, written your, um, your, yeah, your fuzzer, um, you can actually let it run automatically with fairly not much user input and steering. Um, that's probably one reason why fuzzing is getting more popular. And the other reason is um, it is really a, a complementary um, yeah, testing technique to um, things which are probably already um, established in the software development cycle like static analysis and so on and functional testing. All right, that's all uh, reasonable and makes sense. I, I didn't uh, think of it going back to actual uh, feeding cards into uh, into domain frames. That's a um, that, that's a neat point. You say that people actually did that; they would just uh, uh, collect random cards and and feed them into their programs. Yeah. So, but I think also what what Nicholas wanted uh, to outline is these are typical techniques which are used in uh, the software engineering area. And I would say now to, to the shift which we have now in networking by going to software as network, which of course combines software techniques with network techniques, we also get more in contact with tools used in this context. And that might also be a reason why it now pops up in, in the area of software-defined networking. So do you think that there's actual, actually more uh, need for fuzzing in software-defined networking? Um, I, I guess uh, people call it hardware-defined networking, but there's, there's still a lot of software actually involved. It, it would seem to me that there's almost as much potential for bugs in, uh, say, a Cisco switch as, as there is in OpenV switch. Maybe the big difference is that the OpenV switch source code and, and, and the binaries are, are more easily available. Yes, definitely. And um, as you probably all know, um, the open research was also uh, used as a control stack for hardware switches. And even though, um, let's say, the open research was error-free, um, you still need to do the integration testing for the hardware acceleration. And this is, of course, a whole new um, field where bugs can be uh, produced and be integrated into the product. Um, yeah, so I see, I think, um, especially if you're talking about, um, 
devices and uh, software which have a high security relevance uh, for our networks. I think we should um, incorporate every method available and feasible during, um, yeah, as soon as uh, possible within the development cycle to increase the uh, overall quality of the product. I to reduce, um, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I, I definitely agree. So uh, Open vSwitch has a couple of different kinds of, of input that you could potentially fuzz. Um, what did you choose to actually fuzz in, in FlowFuzz, and, and how did you end up there? So currently, um, our framework supports um, OpenFlow version 1.0 and 1.3. And um, in our first evaluation, we started out rather simple. So um, we used version uh, 1.0 as this was supported by, of course, all OBS um, versions uh, we've chosen. And also um, it was supported by all of our hardware switches at our chair. And um, the framework supports uh, various ways to um, generate the input. And in our first evaluation, we mainly concentrated on um, the targeted input for the specific types of messages. So um, I think we've tested all messages or almost all message types. But within one message type, we did like uh, min-max testing of integers or also um, for binary data, which gets sent in some messages, um, we use totally random packets, but also packets which um, have been able to crash switches um, of, um, yeah. So the, so the fuzzer actually understands the structure of the messages? Yes. And what did you, uh, how, how did you, uh, how did you teach the fuzzer those, uh, those structures? So basically, the fuzzer will take um, the role of the um, OpenFlow controller. So um, it will connect to the switch, will state it as OpenFlow controller, and then will begin um, its test cases. Um, for the uh, generation of the messages, uh, we used the standard OpenFlow library, which was available for Python. And basically, then went on in a tedious way to configure um, Let's yeah, an initial pool of uh, valid messages to start from. In addition to um, being able to um, configure the fuzzer to go after all integer fields, all length fields of um, this initial message pool. So, uh, to to some extent, the the completeness depends on the uh, the the completeness of the Python library. Um, yes, this is also um, one thing we are currently evaluating if you are going to uh, switch the library out for uh, another one that we can are also able to um, to fast higher open flow versions as we think that um, errors will be more prominent in newer versions which haven't been uh, test field tested that long um, or if we will um, yeah collaborate and uh, upgrade the library we are currently using. Did you just by chance uh, find any bugs in the uh, OpenFlow library you were, uh, you were using to do the test? 
Um, we had to adapt the library quite a bit because, um, first of all, it had all, uh, all sorts of assertion tests integrated into it, so it wouldn't let us um, send messages of different lengths we specified within the header. So we had to rework that. We also had to uh, rework um, some test cases where it tried to normalize our input, and that took us quite some time for adaption. That's why we are currently still not too sure if we simply switch out a library we're currently using. Yeah, the the other thing that the particular library probably determines is uh, the amount of coverage you can get of the Open vSwitch extensions. Uh, Open vSwitch has many extensions in terms of messages and actions and and so on. And I, I bet each library supports a different subset of those. Right. So uh, why why are you considering uh, switching Python libraries? Is is there something uh, um, not uh, satisfactory about the one that you're using? Mainly we would get... Um as you say, um, a larger access to more messages, more features with uh, newer versions of the library. But we would have to uh, readapt the library, strip out all the normalization and the assertions again. So that's kind of um, the advantages and disadvantages we are currently weighing against each other. Okay, so it it sounds like what you've described to me so far is the um, is the description you have in your in your talk slides about a, a first try, um, where you uh, put a, a fuzzer between uh, a controller and a switch and and did mutations. Um, you you said that that uh, didn't end up being satisfactory. Yeah, so that was um, our very, very first try before we decided um, to write our own fuzzing framework. And the problems we had there, so basically what we thought is if we use a modern controller, we would have access to all the switches, and basically we wouldn't... Um, how hard can it be? And as we've tried it out, uh, we quickly realized that um, the messages which were mutated um, received a high retract rate from the system under test because they were simply, um, yeah, mutated, um, yeah, too, um, too simple, I would say. And so we quickly realized that, uh, we need a protocol aware fuzzing framework, which was able to, um, yeah, exactly know what it's doing and how it will, um, affect the message if it mutates the input in a certain manner. Okay. Uh, so uh, I, I guess uh, one of the things I want to talk about uh, for a while is the, the sorts of results you came up with. Um, you uh, list a, a, a summary of it in your, in your slides that go along with the, uh, the talk. Um, and there's some some big numbers there that are impressive, and then there's some uh, then uh, then there's some some smaller uh, numbers related to uh, to crashes. Um, and I, I was hoping you could help me to, uh, to to pick apart and to understand what those numbers mean and and their importance. So uh, in particular, you uh, you showed a lot of anomalies, thousands of anomalies. Uh, that you detected for each version of Open vSwitch that you tested. Can you say a little bit about what uh, uh, what an anomaly is and, and how much we should worry about that? 
Yeah, sure. So um, one problem which you have to solve when you write a fuzzing framework is um, how do you determine a faulty state? And the easiest fault or error you can detect is a complete crash of the software or the system on that test. But this does not happen that often. So for example, um, the port could still be open, but um, the service on that port is no longer responsive. This would still be like almost as bad as a complete crash as it would result in a denial of service attack. Um, but you can further differentiate it. So going um, one step, um, yeah, less severe error could of, of course be um, if you send uh, one message which takes 100 times longer for the system to process than like the regular expected input. And then of course you have like um, all um, all sorts of uh, system locks which shouldn't be there like um, for example um, one input causes um, a higher amount of memory usage for example, than another input. And our fuzzing framework um, incorporates all sorts of input sources and determines a threshold. And based on this threshold, um, it will either save the packet for later um, analysis as it thinks, okay, this packet has caused what we call an anomaly. And an anomaly uh, could be everything from a complete crash to, okay, this input just took significantly longer to process. So um, for the exact um, anomalies, um, here we had a problem that um, for certain input, the open switch actually protects itself from invalid input and starts uh, reconnecting to the fuzzing framework. And during this reconnection time, um, it actually um, kind of uh, manipulated our baseline, which we are currently measuring, and always resulted in an anomaly. <laughs> so um, what we did in the second pass is uh, we correlated um, yeah, those uh, inputs which were flagged uh, with um, the output of the open switch and are now actually um, able to determine these as false positives. But we still see in a couple of inputs which um, increase the, um, the performance requirements a lot, also memory usage. But here we are still um, yeah, in the manual process of tracking these inputs down and verifying it and connecting it really to the open switch software. Okay, so there are several categories of anomalies. Uh, some of them are performance or memory anomalies. Um, mm -hmm. Others are crashes. Um, and, and some are just, say, open vSwitch deciding that the message you sent it is uh, too invalid and it's, it's not going to try to, to talk to you anymore and it just closes the connection. Right. So I think you said that you ran under uh, address sanitizer. Mm -hmm. So my sure. guess before I before I heard it from you was that an anomaly corresponded to some kind of a report from address sanitizer. Do those show up as anomalies as well? Yes, um, especially related to the crashes. Um, we ran into uh, several cases where um, 
or the open v switch was not able to allocate uh, further memory. And this took us quite some time to track down the stack. And at the end, we were able to not address or not connect the, the crash and the memory allocation to the open v switch, but rather to our environment setup. So, um, yeah, so at this point speaking, um, we haven't found any bugs yet, security related bugs for the open v switch, but, um, we're still confident that um, with the now um, enhanced version of a fuzzing framework and the longer runtime for the test cases, uh, we will be able to make a better decision on how secure the open research is. Uh, it, it'll be good to, to know that. I, I see that you you did list uh, several crashes, um, around 10 or so, for uh, Open vSwitch versions uh, 1.5, 2.0, and, uh, and 2.5. Um, those would generally be uh, security problems. Are, are you When you say that you haven't found security problems, do you just mean in the latest version of Open vSwitch? Uh, no, we actually took the time and uh, traced down all of these um, individual uh, crashes. So all the crashes uh, which were um, stated as results were reported by a trust sanitizer. And uh, we validated each of these bugs manually, which was very time consuming. And um, because especially as they were not uh, reproducible with a single packet. So... Um, but as I said, um, making things short, um, it came down that uh, it was more based to our environment setup than to the system on the test itself. So it was more the combination of everything and not really related to only the open switch. So as soon as we find something, we will definitely uh, use the security mailing list before we publish any um, yeah, security-related um issues we find uh we'd really appreciate that um that actually that that brings me to uh to one point that um is definitely debatable um we haven't usually considered uh bugs in the openflow parser and the, the openflow code to be as uh critical as uh, bugs that can be easily triggered by, say, network packets, because usually there, there's some degree of trust between the controller uh, and and the the switch itself. Right, but um, so usually uh, you would also separate uh, the management network from the data plane network, but um, there have been a lot of um, scans and publications about that that. This is not always uh, maintained by the network operators. So some scans reveal that you are actually able to access the management plane from the data plane. So um, this is one point. And of course, if there's a bug in the software, it should be fixed, uh, no matter how hard it is to uh, reach or to exploit. And of course, um, if you have an an issue in your software, which is able to be exploited, um, you should fix it and it should be addressed um, because you can never assume that an attacker is either only on the data plane and is not able to access the management plane, especially if you uh, you uh, if you take a look at insider attacks or the 
all the other systems which are involved in SDN uh, architecture, which are quite a lot, and these systems are also complex. So I would rather um, advocate to be safe on both sides. Oh, I, I definitely agree. Um, I, I think that the distinction I'm making here is, is more one of degree, that I, I, I generally don't think of that sort of bug as being as severe as, say, um, a, a, a packet going through the switch that could, could crash it, uh, for example. Yes, and um, this is also one of the extensions we plan to um, implement within our fuzzing framework. So the idea is that we um, are able to deploy agents within the data path, which are instructed by um, the flow fuzzing framework to send corrupted packets. So the idea would be is that uh, FlowFuzz um, takes the responsibility of setting up the switch, for example, to have um, a match on an MPLS packet and then instruct the agent to send a corrupt packet. But this is still something uh, yeah, left for future work at this point. Sure. There's a, a, a lot of uh, opportunities uh, in, in this area, I, I think. Uh, let's see here. Um, so there are probably a number of messages that really only make sense in some sort of context of how the, the switch is already set up. Uh, does the framework try to, uh, try to do, say, sensible sequences of messages, or is it composing uh, individual messages in isolation? Um, it's able to do both. So... Um... Whenever you um, load the framework, um, the test case configuration manager basically takes over and it will run through uh, five phases and um, it basically starts with it basically starts with a precondition phase and in this precondition phase, you can state, for example, um, how far the open hand, uh, open flow handshake should be taken, because we also wanted to be able to first open flow handshake itself. And basically, you could uh, define that uh, you need the complete open flow handshake, and you would need, um, for example, the following flow matches installed in the table of the switch before proceeding uh, to the test execution, which generates um, the input for the faulty message, which get sent and validated in the next steps. Okay. And the last step, which the framework uh, runs through, is the post-condition stage, where it will gather all the input, evaluate it, and feed it back to the uh, test execution phase um, for generating a better input, which gets sent in the next stage. Okay, so you've you've mentioned a, a few ways that you're thinking about or working on extending the framework. Uh, do you have other uh, other appro uh, approaches or directions that you're you're planning to take? Uh, what what's the future of FlowFuzz? So the future is uh, what we are currently focusing on is um, actually supporting higher versions of uh, OpenFlow based on the versions we. Um, already uh, working on creating a corpus of um, inputs because this highly affects um, the uh, completeness which you can achieve with enforcing. So the better your initial corpus of input data is, the better your results will be. 
And then, of course, which I already mentioned, is uh, the extensions of the agents so that we are also able to um, fast the data path. And going one step further, um, we're also thinking about how we can um, apply this technology to um, P3 or P4 and to NFV. As we think, this will play a major role in um, the future of networks as well, and will face similar, um, yeah, similar, uh, yeah, testing requirements as our core devices. Sure, I, I think we'll have a, a need for for testing P4. It's uh, uh, even more complicated than than OpenFlow, so it, it probably needs uh, uh, even better testing. So uh, it, it looks like you have applied some of these uh, ideas to uh, a few different hardware switches. Uh, have you had any interesting results there? I, I noticed that it, it, it looks like some of those hardware switches actually run OpenVSwitch internally. So I, I wonder if the results are at all related. Right. So um, in total, we tested uh, four different um, hardware switches. And the main problem we had before really applying our test cases in an efficient manner was how can we, um, or what sources of feedback do we have now? Because for the open switch, our main um, source of feedback was code coverage. And as we are not able to um, yeah, extract the uh, firmware of these devices, and even if we had the firmware, we still wouldn't have uh, the source code. Uh, we needed to find ways of getting around that issue and still uh, being able to um, steer input generation in an efficient manner. And what we did there um, in the first um, pass is um, user experience within performance evaluation to see if we can deduce um, the software execution path the device takes from its performance. And of course, we don't get the fine granularity which we get from uh, traditional coach coverage. But what we have seen is that we uh, definitely get a hint and a trend for different uh, inputs we've sent. So based on this, um, we fed our input generation method and we ran our tests. So again, we've seen um, some false positives as it was the same version uh, we used to evaluate uh, the open switch. But again, we've seen um, test cases which drastically uh, increased um, the, um, yeah, uh, the response times and also um, the CPU requirements of the device. So uh, some related work that, uh, that that also comes out of Germany, there's a, a another group at uh, Technical University of, of Berlin that has also been fuzzing open vSwitch, although they're, uh, uh, they've been focusing on the, the packet parsing. And they found a, a number of, of security problems and uh, reported them to us, and we, uh, we got them fixed. Uh, the... Uh, the contacts I have there are, are Bhagava uh, Shastri and Kashyap uh, Timuraju, and I, I just wondered if you'd had any uh, contact uh, with uh, w with them, or if, if you were, were collaborating with them at all. Since uh, you know it, it's two groups uh, um, fuzzing OpenVSwitch, both inside Germany. Uh, we we've heard of their work, 
And that was also um, one reason why we said uh, we start from um, yeah the top and first the control channel, as we knew that uh, they were already looking at the data path of the software. But we haven't talked to them yet, so. Ah, okay. But we know that where they are and so uh is the flowfuzz framework something that you're eventually going to make available it would be great if uh, we could have that run uh i don't know regularly or publicly and uh and, and use it to uh to try to uh, uh, track down and identify problems yes definitely um currently this uh this Flowfuzz is uh, part of a master's thesis of one of our students, so he will complete his thesis soon. And once it's completed, um, we will see how we will make the software available. Um, what we definitely will make available um, publicly is the corpus of our input data. Ah, okay. That, uh, that, that sounds good. Uh, so uh, we've been talking for a, a while here, and we've covered uh, quite a bit of uh, um, material. Is there anything else that uh, that we haven't talked about that you uh, want to cover? No, I think we've covered most of the points. Um, maybe a sort of a short advertisement. Uh, if you get the chance to visit SICOM tomorrow, we will be presenting a demo on how uh, we can actually build an architecture of how to increase um, the security of our overall networks with software-defined networking. So if you get a chance, uh, go out and see it. All right. Uh, so uh, on the topic of, of finding out more, uh, where should people go to find out more about FlowFuzz? Um, I already know about the, the slides that are available from the Black Hat presentation. Um, are there other publications uh, either uh, that have already come out or that uh, you're working on or, or uh, to appear? Yeah, so publications are planned and we will. the deadline will be at the end of this year. Um, Further information on what we do in general um, can be found at um, sardina-project.org and also um, at our publication lists at our university pages. All right, uh, great. Uh, and finally, I want to in invite you to uh, be, be sure to, to contact us if uh, either either me personally or the Open vSwitch uh, uh, development or security mailing list, if, if you have any questions about uh, what makes sense or, or whether something's a bug or, or just uh, questions about Open vSwitch in general. Uh, we really appreciate it when uh, people uh, work to uh, make uh, Open vSwitch better and more secure. So thank you. Yeah, thank you too, and we will definitely do that. As soon as we find something, you will be the first to know. OBS Orbit is edited and produced by Ben Pfaff using Audacity audio editing software and released under the Creative Commons Unported 3.0 license. The intro and bumper music in this episode is excerpted from Electro Deluxe by My Free Mickey and the outro from Girls Like You by Stefan Kartenberg, both under the Creative Commons Attribution Unported 3.0 license. For more episodes of OVS Orbit, visit ovsorbit.org. Or for more information about Open vSwitch, visit openvswitch.org.